G'day listeners and welcome back to the Keeper League podcast. We're the AFL fantasy podcast that doesn't talk about the superstars. We only talk about the lesser knowns and the ones that are going to bring you value to your draft Keeper Leagues. Uh, my name's Hef and I'm joined by my co-host Kays. How you going, mate? Good. How for yourself? Yep, not too bad. I noticed you were just reading the uh, AFL record. Uh, mm. What's so special about this edition? Oh, uh, that's right. There's a fantasy special in there, right? Is that? Yeah. Is your article in there? I don't have an article in there. Oh, well, then it's definitely a special <laughs> edition because you're everywhere else on the AFL website. So it's nice to have something that's not uh, you know half tainted. So yeah, no, I'm sure you're I'm sure so, you're pretty happy about that, mate. Well, uh, yeah, no, don't say that. But it would be nice if our 2022 edition has a touch of Hollywood about it. We we'll have to oh. have to talk to Warnie about that. You have to ask the uh, people at AFL Fantasy nicely, case. Um, but let's not get our hopes up. They're doing enough to help us as it is. So beggars can't be choosers, is what I always say, case. But anyway, it's not what you said off air. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, yeah, so I guess before we begin, we'll um, give a big shout out to our Melbourne listeners who are in their last day of lockdown. Fingers crossed it's their last day. Then they can uh, get on the beers uh, tomorrow night or they could actually, if they really wanted to, get on the Remedy Kombuchas, which is probably our preferred uh, drink here at the uh, Keeper League podcast. Wild so, Berry again. Wild Berry again this week. Uh, don't mess around. Straight to, the, straight to the top shelf. So open that one up. Have a sip. It's good stuff. Um, what else has been happening? Uh, we released some rankings on Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some rucks. Yeah, we did the rucks, which was um, quite difficult because it's quite a shallow pool this year. There's not too many of them, but we got 50 of them down that we think you should have a look at. So um, that should help you with your keeper league drafts. Um, we've also got the uh, midfielders and the defenders up there for members as well. And we'll have forwards out on Friday. I actually finished my um, top 100 today, mm. but I'm going to tweak over the next few days I and have my, a play. My top 50 is pretty solid. The, uh, the next yeah. 50, there's some... Uh, Really depends on what your strategy is, I think. Um, absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, we've got a um, keeper league draft for our podcasters league tomorrow night, mm-hmm. and I actually did a um, uh, a redraft or a single season draft, um, a mock draft with the draft doctors last week, and. The players in the pool, you get more excited about because they, they're good for keeper leagues, you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if you have to draft those kind of players that are left in the redraft league or the single season draft league, you're just sitting there going like, oh, these are absolute dregs. Like, I don't know who's there. But I think in our league, we've I think Robbie Gray was available. There's like a few decent forwards Jack in there Zeeble, and stuff like that. Jack yeah. Zeeble, yeah. There's Jeremy actually Cameron. decent yeah. ones you could actually grab that. Yeah, Jeremy Cameron's a big one who's mm-hmm. available. And he's actually actually good for the future, not just for the teams yeah. that are topping up for the finals. Like me. Yeah, so yeah, of course. So um, yeah, that's... Uh, that's a pretty, you know, exciting thing to come about. So that's what makes Keeper League so great, mm-hmm. really. Um, yep. What else? We mentioned it uh, before. We got another um, article on the AFL website this week. I got my face on there this week as well. I made a video to get it up there. So um, yeah, is that what the video is for? Just purely to get Hollywood out there? A bit yeah, more. a bit more vanity. <laughs> nah, I'm trying to make more um, content that's a bit more relatable and stuff that we can kind of reuse as well. That's kind of you know makes um, sense long term. You know what it's like? You know, being like an AFL fantasy podcaster. Like mm. you say one thing one week and it's completely out of date the week the next. It'd be good to actually have some stuff out there that's kind of evergreen, they say. Serious question. Where are you in the ranks of like Port Adelaide number one ticket holder? Like, you know, is it Koshi who's number one <laughs> ticket holder? I'm up there, but uh, no, I didn't even get an invite to top the- five, um, top I didn't 10. even get an invite to the Intra Club on the weekend, so- Nah, obviously wow. not there. Yeah, what's that? Working. I don't know. I just thought, you know, ah. making waves in the fantasy sphere. Nah, you know? not quite Not quite yet. I'll soon be up there, but, you know, Koshi's a president, not the number one ticket holder anymore. I don't even know who the number one ticket holder is at the moment. Is it your mate Tarrant? 
No, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about him later. But uh, no, it's not. Um, anyway, speaking of Port Adelaide, uh, we I had a chat with uh, Louis, um, who's now a Keeper League correspondent. I'm referring to him as because he's the lane kicking podcast is no more. So um, mm. yeah, we released that chat out for our members um, and basically had a look at the uh, the Port Adelaide internal trial and actually caught up with a few players after the game as well. We just got a bit of an inside scoop there. So, so how did he get a ticket to the game? Don't worry about it. No, he didn't actually. Just watch it on the thing. But oh, he caught okay. up with it. anyway. <laughs> Don't don't ruin it. <laughs> we are making it sound like he actually got an exclusive uh, invite, but he you did catch lied. up. With, no one would have known. He did catch. I'm not a liar, case. Okay. He did uh, catch up with some players afterwards, though. So that's an nice. important one. We actually might play a snippet of that now for you to mm. see what's in store. And if you're a member, or if you're not a member, you can think about signing up to gain access to that chat. But let's have a listen to a snippet of that now. First player I want to hear about was Connor Rosie. What was his role on the weekend? Yeah, so there's been a bit of conjecture with his role on the weekend because uh, Port Adelaide put out a highlights clip, of course, and uh, Connor Rosie kicking six goals, all six of those goals were on the highlights. So a lot of coaches thought that he was continuing to play that forward role, but in the first half, that's when Port Adelaide were trying to play Port Adelaide football. They had set positions, set structures. Um, after halftime, that all went out the window, and that's when Connor Rosie got on the end of a lot of his easy goals. But in the first half, he was playing predominantly midfield, pushing hard up forward, spreading for marks at the contest. You know, he, he was uh, look a little bit Pendlebury-like, he, and that's the sort of player that I think he plays like as well. So he found plenty of the footy, pushed hard to uh, still impact the scoreboard, and I think he's going to be a really good fantasy scoring option in 2021. All right, big raps there. Uh, from the um, same draft class, though, Zachy Butters. A lot of coaches out there thinking he might play a fair bit in midfield this season. Was there anything that uh, gave us the indication that he would on the weekend? Yeah, so Zach Butters, he was definitely um, pushing up the ground. He sort of, uh, it seemed like he floated between that midfield half-forward role a little bit. Actually struggled to get involved in the intra-club game, which I wouldn't read too much into because... Uh, you know, we know how talented Zach Butters is, but it was clear that he was rotating through the midfield a bit like Connor, just didn't have that same impact. But uh, he's another one who's definitely going to break out in 2021. And that was what the word on the street was afterwards when I was talking to a couple of the players. All right. Thanks to Louis for that one. Some uh, interesting scoops there. Mm. Uh, yeah, that was just the big ones too. Just right there was um, Connor Rosie and Zach Butters. But there was a few more um, players that are probably more likely to be available in your Keeper League drafts um, that he chatted about too mm. later on in that chat. So, yeah, if you want to gain access to the full chat, uh, head to uh, keeperleaguepod.com.au and sign up as a member. Anyways, Kays, what are we looking at tonight? We are going to look at the final three teams. Uh, so, we've got Sydney, West Coast and the Western Bulldogs. We'll go through there. Best 22s and some keeper leg relevant players. Um, and obviously, if you've been following along, you'll know. But if you are a first-time listener, welcome. But also, I suppose when we talk about a few things, we'll talk about drafts. So, if we do mention the word draft, we're talking about as if you're already an established keeper league um, and where they kind of fall in a, in a redraft, I suppose. But um, if you, yeah. All right. Let's get stuck into the first team of the night. All right, on to the Swannies, the Bloods, whatever you want to call them these days. The, uh, the Sydney Swans. Yes. Um, Kays, I understand you've got a best 22 for us. I sure do. Hef, here we go. Um, from the back line, Harry Cunningham, Dane Rampey and Callum Mills. Uh, half back line, Jordan Dawson, Tom McCartan and Jake Lloyd. On the wing, Nick Blakey, Josh Kennedy and Dylan Stevens. 
Through the half-forward line, Isaac Heaney, Lance Franklin and Tom Papley. Forward line, Will Hayward, Sam Reid and Logan McDonald. Uh, in the ruck, Callum Sinclair, Luke Parker and James Rowbottom. Uh, on the bench, Will Gould, Lewis Mellican, Oliver Florent and Georgie Hewitt, uh, which leaves the emergencies of Tom Hickey, Braden Campbell, Jackson Thurlow and Justin McInerney. The big omission I see in that side mm. is no Justin McInerney in the side. Yes. So the last four games, he mm-hmm. was probably one of their like shining lights, kind of shining you know, many, lights, you many, know, many Sydney James supporters. James Rowbottom was out there. Dylan Stevens was out there. Yeah, Dylan Stevens was quite good, but yeah. he was he was better than him like towards those last the end of the season. So in terms of how clean he was with the ball, how well he used it, he was the one that was a lot of Sydney fans were getting super excited about. So mm. I think it's interesting that you've left him out on the back of that because yes. I reckon he'll be there round one. It's fair cool. Um, the other one, I just don't, I don't know if he's actually best twenty two or not. I just thought I'd put it to you. Just mm. um, Tom Hickey. Mm-hmm. So you just don't think he was recruited to play? He was only there as backup, not to kind of cover every ruckman always being injured and trying to ease the load between two. Well, you've kind of. Got got Naismith and Sinclair who always seem to be injured. So, you've got yeah. to bring in some kind of backup. My thing is I'd, if you want, uh, you know, Franklin and Reid to play especially um, and if you want to give Logan McDonald some game time, which I'm sure they do want to, I don't think you can afford to carry the two Ruckman and those three guys. Sam Reid's more than capable to, to pinch hit as a, you know, second Ruck. Yeah. It really depends on if Buddy's fit because or if Sam Reid's fit because – likelihood they're not going to be. So, that will shape their, you know, probable playing 22. I think if you were going your best 22, this is how they'd line up. Um, and I suppose with McInerney, uh, you want to get Isaac Heaney back in that side who missed a lot of the year. And I think that George Hewitt is also a very good player, um, was injured for the majority of the year last year. So, that's why McInerney just missed out. But, um, you know, we've been seeing uh, chats of Callum Mills going through that midfield. Does that um, mean Braden Campbell gets a go off halfback, etc.? So, there could be a few things that move around in that that um, team, but a lot depends for me on the fitness of, you know, Reid and Franklin. Yeah, for me, those outside players. So, you've got Nick Blakey on the wing. We'll talk Mm -hmm. about him very, very soon. So, I won't go into that too much. But yeah, Oliver Florent on the bench. You've got Mm -hmm. like these outside types, which I think um, McInerney could actually rival, even especially Oliver Florent, just the way Florent, the way he kind of finished the year, could even rival his spot as well. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out, but uh, we'll have to wait and see for round one, which luckily isn't too far away. But anyway, we'll get stuck into some of the players uh, that we're going to talk about tonight, and I'm going to... I want to hit the your boy button. Go my on, man. But you're just so add um, to your fiftieth your boy your, of the I'm, year. He's in my team. <laughs> uh, yeah, disgrace. <laughs> We're talking about Nick Blakey. So this is a disgrace. It's decided though, Case. He's actually making my keepers in 2021. So there's a few my boys that uh, I I've only hit the your boys because they're in my team last year, and they're probably not going to make my keepers. He's genuinely in my 16 this year, and I will kind of explain it and break it down a bit more. But we'll talk about a bit of his history and um, look his numbers from the past because his numbers aren't super impressive like so far from his career all right so he played 21 oh, so games kind of like you know harry schoenberg not that impressive but all of a sudden he's the best player ever <laughs> let me get on yeah okay. just like that um look he played 20 uh, 21 so games in his crit. debut season uh, only averaged 59 49.3 in that season then his second season um played uh I can't remember if it was last year was second season but 2020 um he played 16 games last year and averaged 47.1 which was a 58.9 bcv so 10 point improvement going there um Coming into his third year breakout season, um, 
he started playing up forward earlier in his career and he was actually recruited as a like tall key forward, but he never really played that role for Sydney. He sort of just roamed the forward lines. Um, but then looking at the end of last year, I thought personally he was on the wing, so running up and down the field um, and playing the outside role. But this is a great start and this is from the Draft Doctors draft kit. So um, along with the uh, AFL record uh, fantasy edition, um, go and get yourself the Draft Doctors draft kit as well because they're great fantasy resources. And also get Marrera's Magic, by the way, because that's bloody amazing, that thing. Um, but anyway, uh, with all those things, a stat that I got from the Draft Doctors um, draft kit that he actually accumulated 50 centre bounce attendances and averaged, um, that was from round 12 onwards. So, round 12 onwards, he kind of got chucked in the middle and attended 50 centre bounces um, from the, for the rest of the season. And then he averaged um, 68 BCV from that point onwards. So, with the um, attending the centre bounces, I still think he was playing a little bit of outside, but he was like, it was just showing that he had a really good mix between that inside and outside game for a big fella. And I think that's fantasy gold, really. Um, look, and the 68 might not sound huge from that point onwards, but he was not conditioned to play in the midfield. Like, you watch some of his games, he was absolutely blowing. And his time on ground dropped in those games as well. So the reports are that he spent the preseason training um, with the mids. So you should have the tank to do it this season. I know everyone trains with everyone the mids. Trains everyone with the trains with the mids, but he was. Wasn't really, he honestly, like 100% wasn't like conditioned to play midfield last year. He was just so cooked when he was playing in there, but still doing pretty well. This year, I reckon that's something they really would have worked on with him. So, look, it's still pretty speculative. You know, a big player playing in the middle. Look at um, like Jared Brander last year. Um, you know, a big fella that they tried to play on a wing, that sort of stuff. It doesn't always work out. So, it's pretty speculative, but I reckon there's heaps of potential with this kid, particularly with how high he went in the draft. Like, because he was a zone selection, he could have actually gone higher than I think the pick five he was taken at as well. He was right up the top in a, in a super strong draft so I'm really excited for this guy now I reckon I've spoken about him for about 20 minutes now Kay so do you want to have a word to say about Nick Blakey I'd love to argue with you but I'm also quite uh, excited about Blakey yes, uh, he's got, especially often. got the DPP status this year which yep. is uh, very handy obviously we know with uh, how the forwards are looking so um, yeah I think he's got plenty of potential um, for me just looks uh, really solid on a wing yes if obviously he can get into that midfield uh, for the CBA is good but I think they're kind of covered there with Kennedy, Parker, Hewitt yeah. um, you know a few of those guys even Mills or uh, Heaney going through there so um, I'm not too excited about that, but I'm excited about the ability for him to um, to go up and down that winger and score um, quite nicely this year. So third year breakout, um, very keen on Nick as well. Oh, good to hear. Uh, now I'm going to talk about one of my favourites. I'm not going to label him my boy because oh, I, I don't throw it the, away willy-nilly like you. And I've already got nine of my ten and he's, he's on the borderline. I'll, I'll name my final tenth player before the start of the season. But uh, obviously talking about James Robottom uh, coming into his magical third year breakout season two. So he improved on his 2019 uh, debut average of 63 to produce a 56, which is a uh, 70 BCV in his second year. So a nice lead increase there. To be honest, I probably expected a little bit more um, from him, but to be saying that he's still on the improve and we do know that the the second year blues do happen. So um, unfortunately for coaches, loses his forward status this year, which means you almost have to take a bit more of a punt on him um, as opposed to what you would have last year with the, the center forward. But look, he had uh, three 80s and two 70s in his uh, first season, 2019, um, and he improved uh, those scores to notch up three 90s last year. So a bit more of a higher higher ceiling, which is really good. Uh, he also had heaps of games in the BCV 50s, which just 
can be a bit of a coach killer for a guy who you've invested in, but at the same time, second year Blues, 50 if that's your worst score as a, as a forward, it's probably not the worst. So he had plenty of run through the midfield last year, which I do like, as it shows the Swans are keen on him uh, going into that midfield rotation. The only thing, the other thing as well, he only averaged 77% time on ground. So I think there's plenty of opportunity uh, for that to grow. Now, uh, yesterday, I think I threw out a tweet saying that Robottom will be the um, Brayshaw of 2021. That's right. I saw that. Now, Big I'd call. like to compare. So, Brayshaw went from 66 to 69 to 95, and Robottom has gone from 63 to 70. Could he push up that 90s as well? I reckon there's a big, big um, chance he can. He's actually two points per game up on what Brayshaw was in his second year. Plus, he's above him in the breakout tracker. You're very, very nice resource, Hef. So, trust the process. Trust the breakout tracker. Um, and he's on track for a big third year. And if you want to row back to the, the Brayshaw comparison, there's going to be the opportunity for him to play more midfield like there was Brayshaw at Fremantle in that gut. So, um, I'm very, very confident that he's going to have a big year. Plenty of talent. Fantasy now. Stick with him. You will not regret it. What changed? Like this time last year, you were slamming Brayshaw saying he wasn't going to break out. He wasn't going to take that next step. He wasn't good enough. And now you're going, you know, drawing similar comparisons. Well, I no, you just it's on stats. <laughs> and I just go, you know, like obviously I uh, – <laughs> Doubted him, but he, he delivered the goods. And I think that Robottom's kind of on a same, similar trajectory. So, why would you not get on board? Do you reckon your, um, like your Kennedys and I guess Parker's a little bit younger, but when he moves on, he's part of that kind of next wave of the mm-hmm. midfield? Because it's actually kind of a bit of a tough makeup to actually work out who's going to be the kind of next up and coming inside midfielders anyway. Mm-hmm. I think the outside ones are pretty clear cut, but the, um, yeah, the inside ones, it's a bit, um, yeah a bit subjective as to who actually steps up and becomes their next premier midfielder, really. Well, it's interesting. You know, Kennedy's obviously maybe got a year or two left. Yeah. Um, Parker's still not that old. Yeah. But, you know, like I think y- the midfields, especially now with um, less rotations and, um, you know, back to longer quarters like we um, didn't have last year, you're going to have to be fitter. You're going to have to have a few more guys run through there and um, should be some more points. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll talk about another guy that probably could benefit from the uh, rotations as well because this guy's got a big tank and that's uh, Dylan Stevens. So, this guy was really high in our 29. Uh, fantasy draftees calculations showed some really good signs uh, in the in the underage stuff. He averaged 87 at the under 18 champs and uh, averaged 78.6 playing Sandful, um, gaining some real man experience there. Um, he averaged 57, which is a 71.3 BCV last season, which is pretty impressive for a debut season, I think. Um, also averaged 64.3 from his last three, which is an 80.4 BCV. Um, his top score of the year came in the final round. That was a 73, a 91.3 BCV, which kept us all wanting more in 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, plays a fantasy-friendly role. Uh, very outside, but can lay tackles, um, which is nice to see. And I think he can do a little, you know, a bit of inside stuff given uh, given the right opportunity. Um a lot of people are reminded of Lockie Whitfield when they see this guy plays as well. So, I'm a big fan. Um, if he's available in your league, get on board. I got him super late in our mock draft, which I was pretty happy with. Um, but I feel like 2022 is probably more likely to be his breakout. But I won't be surprised if he goes pretty well this uh, season. But I'd l- probably give him another year in the system before, um, yeah, he actually becomes like a, an actual proper superstar, I think. Are you high on him as high as I am, Case? Uh, yeah, is he your boy too? You're going to add him to the suite? He's in my keepers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolute dick bag. Um, yeah, so I'm very keen on Dylan Stevens. Uh, what I liked, um, especially late in the season when he kind of got a few more games strung together, was his tackle numbers. Um, for a guy who was only 18, 19, um, some of the tackles he was laying and, and just the general um, way he was finding the the pill, maybe not always getting it um, yeah. heaps and heaps of times, but he always looked to be in the right spots, doing the right thing. Um, so, yeah, I'm super, super keen on him. And, yes, I totally agree. If he is in a pool in a, in a keeper league, you've got to get, a, get, get, uh, got to get your hands on him because he's got – uh, a lot of talent. You're that excited, you can't even spit it out. 
Yeah, that's how and the, much and the wild berry taste is just lingering in my mouth so beautifully. <laughs> oh, I just want to savour it. Yeah. Um, another midfielder is a genuine swagger midfielder is at uh, Sydney. I'm interested to see what uh, Georgie Hewitt can come back and do in 2021. Um, a guy a lot of people would have forgotten about because we're talking about your Stevens, Robottoms, Blakeleys, etc., McInerney's a bit later on. But um, I think Hewitt was one of the better swans back in 2019. He was actually one of the better scorers and, and one of the better players. So he actually didn't miss a game from 2017 to 2019. And then uh, I think he started played six or seven games last year and then got injured and we didn't see him again after round seven. He averaged 75 in 2019 and that's when he was about 23 and on that precipice of kind of coming into his, um, you know, footballing pedigree. Did register 390s and 300 in that year. So, did show that he can go large, which we do like from a young player. Um, interesting to see the makeup of the Swans uh, midfield this year, obviously. I think he's a part of it, which is why I've got him my best 22. But he's a guy who relies a bit more on tackles and, and a lot more of the ball because he does uh, handball a bit more. So, he does need to play that inside role. Um, you know, with the, the imminent end of Josh Kennedy, you know, is he fighting someone like Roy Bottom for that inside mid? You know, do we see Parker play a bit more up forward to let these guys go through midfield? I'm not too sure. I really think for the Swans, the, the Amy practice match is going to be, be a big one for me because you're going to see where, you know, these six or seven, you know, pretty high quality young mids all play. Yeah. Um, so, with someone like George Hewitt, uh, he's not going to be capable on anyone's list really. But uh, I think he's worth a, a mid to late pick up. Um, because if he can play and gets into his 2019 kind of form, he could, you know, make up a, an M5 to M7 in your in your side. Um, there won't be too much risk either. He's 25, so there's still plenty of years left in him to become, you know, put his name forward to be a keeper. I don't know if he'll ever be a, a year-in, year-out keeper, but one of those guys you can always go back to the well each year and top up, um, you know, with a third, fourth, fifth-round pick for a guy who's pretty consistent. But once again, I think we just need to see how the Swans line up uh, in that Amy match, see what they're looking like. But um, I'm confident he can get back to some good scores if he can get on the Park. Just reading uh, this quality publication right here. Um, says he won, uh, sorry, came second in the best and fairest in 2019. Mm. That's a big rap for a yeah. you know, kid like him. So, you know, hopefully he can get back to that sort of form because, mm. um, yeah, I did not know he was. That he was good. good. Yeah. He was bloody good. He was that good for Sydney. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Justin McInerney, I, I got a bit mad that you weren't, uh, didn't have him in your best 22Ks, but I'm going to make my case right here and hopefully I can change your mind after this. So um, he debuted in 2019, only played one game and only had one disposal for the entire game. So keeper. I thought he was finished. Like, sure, you didn't know my boy him after wasn't, that. Wasn't, oh, no, absolutely not. I haven't my boy him now. But anyway, I thought he was finished. Wasn't up to AFL standard. Get out. Played again type thing. But he worked really hard to get into his uh, into the best 22 at the start of 2020. And that's something I, after doing a bit of research, I think that's something that the Sydney fans really love about him is how hard he actually works um, and how hard he actually works on improving himself in his game as well. But yeah, got into the side and mainly played in the wing uh, for the year. Had a, like a, you know, a few you know quarters here and there up forward and kicked a few goals as well, which was kind of nice. But um, yeah, he only played, the, he only averaged 44 from the first four games. That's a 55 BCV. And he looked a little bit lost um, early and then got dropped after round five but when he came back in at the end of the season he looked like a new man um, played the same role and like I said a little bit little few stints up forward not enough to get DPP but had a you know a few, few quarters up there and things like that but he just looked super classy he had great decision making and used the ball really well by foot I think it was 71% um, how well he used it by foot um, so yeah from his last five games of the season he averaged 55 which is uh, 69.5 um, and this included a low score of 40 which kind of dented that average a little bit but you know, that built up as the season went on. Um, he had 64 points against Essendon. That was uh, an 80 BCV and then 74 in the final game of the year. That's a um, 92.5. Um, so, yeah, 
he kept us wanting more just like uh, Stevens did as well. I still think he probably needs another year of development before he becomes like an you know, ultra permanent um, lock and load in that, you know, best 22. But outside midfielder, so I can't see him going super huge because he doesn't have the inside, inside kind of game. But um, could eventually come round out your midfield nicely as like your M567 around yep. that range. Yeah. Yep. Uh, similar kind of scoring output potentially as someone like George Hewitt. Um, different roles, but um, similar output. Uh, looking back, he averaged 79 in the NEFL in that 2019 season. So, oh, pretty solid numbers for a first-year player, that's regardless pretty, that's of pretty it being, low for NEFL, yeah, really. But, you know, when you're, when you're 18, 19, <laughs> it's not too bad. Um, so, yeah, look, I think he's one you can look at. Um, I think he's definitely around that top, you know, 26 players at the Swans and, and should be in that side at some stage, stage, stage. All right, cool. Let's move on to your next player. Lucky last for the Swannies, I'm going to go with Tom Papley. So, one of the best small forwards in the game. Um, had a solid 2020 fantasy-wise, averaged the 73 BCV, which was just a touchdown on his 75 he registered in 2019. Good thing about someone like Papley, he had a decent floor, um, 48 BCV, which is about a 60, was his lowest uh, score for the year, which is pretty good for a, a small forward who doesn't always, you know, have big games. But uh, to the eye, I reckon last year, he seemed to add a few more strings to his bow, do you reckon, Hef? Like, especially after that request to trading to Carlton, um, he kind of looked a bit more of a complete player, I think, um, after not going there. But look, for someone like him, he had 89% time on ground. Um, so, he does get a good run on the ground, which is good because you need those small forwards out there um, purely to get as much game time as possible to try and score. So, what I do like is that there are some promising signs of Papley. He uh, actually attended 33% of the CBAs for the Swans at the end of the year. So, good to see someone like him can go through and pinch it in that midfield if he needs. But the other thing is inaccuracy really cost him. He kicked, kicked, kicked 26 goals, 27. Wow. So, a few more straight kicks there and there's another five points per game easily on that average. So, um, he's only 24. For me, it seems like he's been around a lot longer, but he's still quite young. And to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a bit of a boost, especially if the Swans keep improving. Um once he keeps coming into the prime of his career, you know, now till the next, you know, three or four years, I genuinely believe he could push the 80s without too much effort, especially if he can, you know, get a few more easy kicks through that high half forward and just make one of those points a goal. Um, I think there's a lot of value in Papley. Um, do you keep him? I suppose that's a good question. We know forwards are pretty light on this year. Um, wouldn't talk you out of it, but uh, if he's someone in the draft, I'd be looking at him in the first couple of rounds, I reckon. I'm not as big on Papley. I just don't see what separates him from, you know, all the other small forwards in the comp, really. They they just don't score well. Probably a 73 average. Yeah, a little bit. Are you, taking, it is that, a bit are you taking that year? This year? Yes, you are. Every day of the week. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, sorry, you're keeping, you know, Justin McInerney. I don't something. have him. <laughs> I wish I did, but I don't. No, he wouldn't make my keepers anyway. But, um, yeah, no, he'd, he'd probably make Who's going to score more this year, Papley or Blakely? Blakey, sorry. Oh, that's a good question. I reckon Blakey's going to. He's got more of a midfield role. I'm happy to back him, Papley. That, yeah. that, that floor or that average is perfect. If your forward isn't going to score the, less the, than 60. The BCV isn't a perfect science, though. But so. he's averaged 75 the year before. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, perfect that, science. That's fair. But then he's gone backwards then, really. Yeah, just. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't see where hey, he's I think he's. Go I think he's a great he, – he could be your 16th or 20th keeper or something like that, and I think that would be a good decision. Or someone like me who needs some forwards in their side, I'd target him early in my draft. We all need forwards in our side, Ks. Hopefully, we can find some in this next side. Onto the uh, West Coast uh, Eagles there. Oops, I've got the wrong screen up there. Got there it mixed we go. up, sorry. Um, was that West Coast Eagles? Yeah, got them, I just had it mixed up. Uh, yeah, 
with the West Coast Eagles, that theme song is a bit um, it's a bit strange. That one, it's not it doesn't sound like a footy song because I'm using the one that they uh, the play one. after the games. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a little bit strange. The, it's different, day, but hey, uh, try yeah. new things. Yeah, exactly. It just doesn't sound like a footy song. That's all. A little bit of a guitar, you know, a muted guitar pattern. Um, kind of like the keep bit of ambience. theme song. Oh, that's not as muted. That's pretty loud, but <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's read through your best 22 for West Coast. Radio from the back line, Brad Shepard, Tom Barras and Jackson Nelson. Then Shannon Hearn, Jeremy McGovern and Liam Duggan. Uh, through the midfield, Dom, Sheed, Elliot Yao and Andrew Gaff. Yo. Half forward line, Jamie Cripps, Jack Darling and Jake Waterman. Then we got Oscar Allen, Josh Kennedy and Liam Ryan, followed by Nick Natanui, Luke Shuey and Tim Kelly. Uh, then on the bench, Tom Cole, Alex Witherden, Jack Redden, and Josh Rotham. Uh, with emergencies, Jack Patch- uh, Petricelli, Mark Hutchings, Jared Brander, and Zach Langdon. I still reckon you and the Statesman should start a show together where you just mispronounce everyone's names. It'd be great. It's Yao. <laughs> it's obviously Yo. Commentators say Yo. Where the hell do you hear Yao from? I don't know. <laughs> Yowie. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, let's get stuck in. Let's break this one apart. So, mm. how do they structure up with the tools is what my big question is. So, who have you got backing up Nick Nat in this squad? Oscar Allen. Okay. So, th- I don't I don't disagree with that whatsoever, but a lot of people think that they want to start kind of using him as their main key forward as a transition from Kennedy. Can't play three key forwards of Darling, Kennedy and Allen. Yeah. Well, well, they can play three forwards. Yeah, but, like do, but you got Jake not, Waterman. They're plays not very necessarily tall. nimble three blokes. So, yeah. yes, and someone like Waterman can play tall. Yeah. So and Nick Nat is handy forward. So, you just can't have, you know, I think you can't afford to then play – I don't know, Nathan Vardy and that. It's just too top heavy. Yeah, and Vardy's not very good either. So. <laughs> um, Premiership Rockman, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, a lot of my, a few of my West Coast mates don't reckon Vardy will play again. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard because they're going to need someone to come in. They've got uh, Bailey Williams as well yeah, in the wings. The- but he won't play like that. He'll only play, I reckon, if Nick Nat's injured or whatever. Yeah, or if Jack Darling's injured or something like that. Yeah. I think you can't, I don't think you can play Nick Nat, those three guys, and another Rockman. Yeah. I just think it's two, especially as Waterman can play that, that mid kind of size tall and if you know uh, on Twitter today I got absolutely pounded for having three defenders on the bench which yes is fair enough I probably have uh, one too many defenders but if you're going to play someone like Petricelli he's not necessarily a small either he's that mid-sized forward too so Mm. um, yeah I don't know he's not huge yeah, but he's not like Liam Ryan he's very very fast though so I don't know um yeah, I don't really know. It's, I mean, it's I just, a, yeah, I don't know. I just it's think a side that looks pretty settled. It looks way. settled, and they've got so yeah. many good defenders too. So that's why there's three on the bench. But you know, um, you think Roth- Jack Redden's best twenty-two? Yeah, yeah, he was okay. best twenty-two at the end of last year. Yeah, it's just that I don't know. I don't know who's be- jumping him. Yeah, neither. But I'm thinking Especially they if might. they do have some midfield woes with Elliot Yo. Yeah, yeah. If their midfield's fully fit, you might think he might be in a bit of strife, but uh, it's not. So don't it's have interesting to, worry about to see that. what Langdon happens with him too. They obviously brought him across for some reason. Yeah. Same with uh, Witherden. Like, yeah. I could see them not playing Witherden as a defender. He could play on a wing or, or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't really know Re-inventing. what's going what's going to happen with Willard, and it's going to be interesting to see. Hopefully, he does play because obviously a fantasy guru. Um, going to be interesting to see if he gets kept this year. I'm pretty sure he will be kept, but uh, it's surely a risky, he gets kept. It's a risky keeper if Jack he's not Petricelli playing. Patrick Kelly is 185. That's not that's small. 185, a little bit taller than you and I. Yeah, but he's just it's very like seven centimeters taller than me. Seven. Yeah, you're 178. Yeah, I'm 180, aren't I? 
It's five centimeters is quite a big, big. I don't know. That's medium sized forward, bro. Anyway, uh, I don't think we're we're giants, guys. So <laughs> we're definitely not. <laughs> Who are we talking about first, though? Uh, Jackson Nelson, your boy. Well, not your boy. Sorry, You've, you're talking about him. I'm talking about him. He's not my boy, but he's a very, very good player. So the backman Jackson Nelson is coming off a career best 2020. But unfortunately, comes into 2021 with some mixed news. So, I'm going to start off with the bad news for Jackson. It's the arrival of Alex Witherden. So, I'm not necessarily convinced that Witherden is um, going to get first crack at a half-back flank spot this year. But I just feel the arrival puts a bit of pressure on that Eagles back line, um, you know, especially because they've got quite a settled back line um, and a few more guys like Shepard, uh, Hearn, who are very, very good. So, But the good news for Jackson Nelson is Elliot Yo is injured, which is apparently seeing my boy, officially my boy, Liam Duggan. Do you want me to hit the button? Yeah, go for it. My boy, Liam Duggan, go into the guts. So, if you were taking all that into account and it was just the fact that Duggan was going in the midfield and Witho hasn't arrived, I'd be all over Jackson Nelson this year. I think he's going to slot in nicely on the halfback flank. There's just a bit of a worry that, um, you know, with someone like uh, Witherden coming in and obviously Hearn, Shepard, um, you know, Rotham's played some good footy, uh, you know, Cole... You know, there's a heap of guys that can play back there. So, I just don't sure what role Nelson will always play. Um, but if you do look back at his year last year, he did average 58, which is a 72 BCV and did have some cracking games. Uh, had two 90s, which are 110 uh, BCV games. What I do love is his kick to handball ratio. Uh, 10 kicks to four handballs was his ratio there. So, look, for me, that shows that the Eagles are happy for him to have the ball coming out of their defense. Um, obviously, they've got a few good uses back there. Look, he's 24 this year. Um, I think there is some upside and he's going to be around a lot of drafts. I'm pretty sure he'll be in all the draft pools that we're a part of. And at worst, I think is a good day four to five um, with the smoky chance of going day three if the roles kind of fall his way uh, in that halfback line. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know about day three, but yeah, the day four, five range is probably where he goes. It's just so many defenders in that side, but it's going to be interesting over the next couple of years because you're going to lose Hearn a couple of years after that. You're going to lose Shepard as well. So, mm-hmm. it might be one that you buy stocks in now, but like I said, there's just so many in there. Who knows who's actually going to become the next fantasy scorer coming out of that back line. I think you can have him mid- midway in a draft and it'll be fine. Yeah. And he'll, yeah. he'll repay you, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's not the worst pick for sure. Even at worst, like he would not make – because we only play four defenders. He would not make my top four defenders, no. but he'd be good cover. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. For sure. All right. I'll move on to Jake Waterman. Waterman? Waterman. Uh, a guy that I've kind of followed pretty close our last few years. I like the look of him, but uh, he's just not doing it for me in the fantasy world. Um, he's a versatile, taller forward. He's not huge, but he can play tall. Um, played three seasons now and gone, what is he? He's 191 centimetres. That's pretty tall. That's quite tall. Yeah. It's not, yeah, it's pretty tall. Um, played three seasons now and averaged uh, 55, 62, and 65. Um, so... That was uh, 51.3 before the BCV adjustment. So, he's improved every year. And I say versatile as well because he's been trialed on a wing at times and sometimes find himself in defense. I'm not sure if he actually pushes up that far and just kind of works up the ground or he's actually playing back there, but he winds up getting a few kicks every now and then when I watch him. Um, I think he'll settle as a forward though. I think once um, Kennedy retires, that it'll be him, Allen, and uh, Darling kind of making up those three towards the uh, tall forwards that they like to play. Um, he's shown that he can score in the past. He's managed a top score of um, 85 last season against Fremantle, but also had some low scores as well. So, 31 versus the Crows, 44 versus Geelong, and 28 versus North Melbourne. So, that was in round 18 as well. So, you know, he didn't really 
really finish off the season that well. Um, his career high was 104 against Western Bulldogs in 2019. Um, for me, he's probably nothing more than really a streamer, I don't think, at the moment anyway, unless we see some sort of role change where he does kind of push up the wing. Um be interesting, like with Brander, because they is someone that they kind of played up there a bit more. He could actually. There's talk of him going back uh, forward a bit more, so it could actually move. Um, it could actually move Waterman out of the forward line, because like I said, he's shown that he can play in other positions, and you know West Coast have tried playing taller players on the wing before, so. Just, I'm not saying it will happen, just something to maybe keep an eye on and see if it does. Um, maybe watch the uh, preseason game and see what's happening. But, yeah, I'd, I still remain that he'd probably not be much more than a streamer. Yeah. He's a guy that could potentially play that high half-forward role, yeah, the, yeah. the lead-up kind of role, and there's a bit of, you know, fantasy value on that. But I'm um, saying that they do have, you know, three pretty good bigger forwards. Um, yeah. And he's kind of one just maybe to to play against the weaker sides when, you know, West Coast going to beat up on them. Yeah. Um. Liam Ryan is the guy I'm going to talk about next. Hey, it was a career PB season for Flying Ryan last year, bumping up his average 13 points per game uh, from a 57 to a, a 70, obviously adjusted there. Um, he played some absolute rippers, which included two 90s, which are 110 pluses, and finished off the year on fire, averaging 73, uh, which is 91 BCV points in his last five games of the year. So absolutely super finish to the year. And to put that into some context, he was the sixth highest averaging eagle in the last five games and the 11th highest averaging forward in the last five games. So, came home with wet sail. But obviously, all uh, small forwards, you're going to have a bit of a roller coaster at times, roller coaster ride with them at times. But what I did like was there was a really solid chunk of consistent footy with him um, and obviously put it together late in the season. I do think there's a bit of upside with him. Uh, he's only 24 and potentially can evolve uh, nicely into that high roaming forward, which we do know is that point scoring role. Uh, we'll get back, always manage to find a few goals. Look, he's obviously not someone you want to bank on week to week. So like we were talking about with Watermelon, he's probably a good streamer or bench cover. Um, look, he's more than handy and I think it'd be interesting to see his role in the Amy match, uh, just to see if some of that consistencies come over to 2021. Um, would just be a late pickup in a, in a draft. But I think as a streamer, he could be very, very handy, especially if we can see more of that footy he played in last year. So you don't think he'd be a keeper if you owned him? No. Oh, damn. He's actually in my team and I was going to hit the your boy button. No, I was only kidding. I was not. <laughs> I'm not considering keeping him at all. Uh, but I just wanted to tease you with pressing. But would the- you consider redrafting him? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you a bit of a story with him. In the prelim, I think it was, to get into the grand final, um, I didn't. he was the one I chose to bench mm-hmm. um, out of the three forwards. I was trying to think Blakey was one of them. Um uh, Ryan was another one and I can't remember who the other one was and I chose to bench him and he was the one that turned up I think it was that big game you mentioned before so good point there yeah. with that because we know that there'll be no Thursday night teams and everything yeah. is basically going to be um, you know every league has to play a role in rolling lockout so, and someone like uh, Liam Ryan is the perfect rolling lockout player because yeah. he's either going to go get your 30 or he could get you 100 and that could be the difference between winning a game so one of our listeners actually suggested a um, we do a streaming options or Sunday streamers type thing as well so people that you know you might want to hold on to for the end of the week might be a good idea for an article or something like that so we'll have nice. to keep that in mind good yeah. idea yeah definitely um, I'll move on to Josh Rotham so he was quite good last season um, average 50.5 which was 63.1 from his 10 games in 2020 um, up from his average of 55 in 2020 which is uh, a good improvement I guess Um He's another versatile player. He's quite quite athletic, but uh, capable of playing that third tall type role, uh, mainly in defence. That's the issue with him, though, really, because he's 
not having to play tall, but it depends on the opposition and what injuries they've got. So he hit a purple patch in the middle of last season, I think from rounds 11 to 15. He actually averaged 64.4 in that patch, which is um, uh, 80 BCV. And a lot of people were coming hard at me for not giving him enough credit on the podcast. But I said like McGovern was out and there was going to be, you know, he will have to play taller at times. And that kind of did come to fruition towards the end. So... The times he went big, McGovern were, was out of the side. And then when McGovern came in, he wasn't actually scoring as well. So, it's just interesting. Um, yeah, sorry. When he was scoring, big McGovern was in the side. That's what yes, I meant. Yes, yes. So, yeah. He's another streamer for me. Um, if Eagles are fully fit, then they're going to be playing against sides. You know, if they don't play against sides that don't have another third tall up forward, he could go okay against those. So, they're the teams you want to stream him against. But I reckon you probably just avoid him at other times because it's too unpredictable just to know what type of role he's going to play week to week. Unless it's quite clear that they don't have another tall left to match up on. He's a solid defender. Yeah. I think, you know, I'd rather someone like Jackson Nelson than Josh Rotham. Yeah. Um, yeah, same. But, um, yeah, look, if you... Going late in a draft, I think, you know, he's fine because he's probably going to play most weeks and will at least put some points up for you and, you know, um, can fill a gap if needed be in your side. For sure. Uh, Oscar Allen is the guy I'm going to talk about. Started 2020 quite hot, but he did cool down towards the end of the year. Uh, looks like he's going to be a star and it's going to be interesting to see the makeup of the Eagles forward line again this year. Uh, obviously playing third prong to Darling and Kennedy, but if it is someone like Josh Kennedy's last year, does... Do we see a big uh, boom from Oscar Allen next year or do we see a bit more of a, a leading role, I suppose, in the side, yeah. uh, knowing that he's going to take over uh, in due course? Kick 16 goals, which is pretty good um, for your um, you know, third tall in their third year of footy. Um, and he's just another one of those um, you know, young key forwards who can ruck a bit, um, can give you a few, you know, five to ten um, hit out points per game, especially if we do see that that Nick Nat's going to ruck solo. So one to watch week to week because I reckon if they're not going to play a, a Vardy or something to be the, the backup ruck, uh, you'd have more confidence in fielding Allen just to kind of get a few more uh, cheap touches of hit outs. Um, it's great to see them getting the the games in there. And I think, you know, with these young key forwards that we're seeing playing now or even, you know, if you want to ruck him, um, the fact that they're getting games into a guy like this so young, it's only going to be more beneficial maybe next year or the next couple of years where they're actually playing, whereas a lot of teams hold these tall key forwards back. So um, it's going to be an absolute um, points bonanza, I think, maybe in a year or two once he really feels out his body, gets that number one uh, key forward role at the West Coast Eagles. And uh, look, I think... What is nice is the ultimate footy gods have given him ruck status. So, uh, you've got the ruck forward DPP, um, which could be quite handy ruck cover, especially if you've, you know, you don't really want to take a handcuff or something like that. Um, or if you are could- handcuffed to Nick Nat and he's quite injury prone mm. over the last few years. And someone yeah. like Alan could come in while he won't be the ruckman. You'd probably bring in a, a Bailey Williams yeah, or yeah, something true. like that or a Vardy. But, uh, but if you've got him handcuffed, then, oh, he's then you've got him handcuffed. Go but, to you know, him. if you're playing, yeah. you know, if you don't have that many uh, spots in your side, I reckon he's a, a good pickup just having that ruck DPP. Yeah, I do worry about um, the key forwards as well. It's going to be interesting to slate. I, I, I thought you would join the key forward fan club last year. Now you're off them I, again. No, no, I do. I just don't see him as one like that is- I He's like, not a Harry McKay, Kai. Not the big fellas that are going to clunk everything and kick bags of six and seven each week. He's kind of too athletic and they're the ones I kind of worry about as much because they just get kind of knocked over in the marking contest and stuff mm. like that. Um, but he can get out in the lead as well. But it's going to be interesting to see with the change in rotations like- uh, key forwards tend to do the most or key position players do a lot of kilometers on the ground because they mm-hmm. have to push up to be part of the zone and stuff like that. If rotations come down, they might not be able to do that. So, there might be a few more stay-at-home forwards. Who knows? Is there changes to where they start as well? Is that 
I don't actually know. Yeah, I think oh, no, I they think have was, to start in the position in their fifty. Is that right? No, yeah, yeah, that's right. But they're not in the goal square or anything like that. I couldn't remember. That wasn't. There's so many rules being thrown out in the VFL and the um, <laughs> AFLW. I can't remember which ones actually come into the AFL. <laughs> but anyway, um, we'll just disregard that one because it probably isn't happening. But uh, yeah, so it's just going to be interesting to see how the key forwards make up. So there's probably a chance that he, you know, he becomes okay. But I don't know. I think key forwards are still, especially the kind of athletic types, they're a bit more fraught with danger, I reckon. I think he's going to be okay. Okay, then. You can believe that. That's fine. Finish this off, have right. got. Let's go with uh, Jared Brander, so another tall fella. Um, he was a former first-round draft pick, uh, drafted as a tall forward, but played on the wing last weekend, uh, last weekend, last season. Uh, Average 49.9, which is a 62.3 BCV last season. Um, actually started well. Um, Average 55.3, uh, which is a 69.1 BCV from his first four games, but then got dropped. Um, he came back late in the season, but just kind of looked lost playing that wing role. I think he'll return to the forward line eventually. Um, but there's players like Kennedy that retire soon. Um, Darling will go on and then Allen and Waterman are competing for the spot. So it's going to be hard to see where he actually does fit in or how that kind of does make up. But I feel like we've mentioned that 20 times already tonight. Um, there was heaps of hype on him last year, but that was mainly to do with the salary cap formats um, due to his price and that he was actually going to play and play on the wing too. Um, so I can't see him ever really turning it on in fantasy. So... It's kind of beware of that kind of hype. We mention it all the time. Don't you don't you, sometimes you see a player like this. Oh, I know that name because he was in my classic team last year. I'll draft him. It's not really how it works in uh, this sort of format. So yeah, just don't get sucked into that. Um, I don't know where do where do you see Brander actually slotting in eventually? I don't really have that interest in him at all. Yeah, I think he's just a salary cap hype guy. I think he might not even play that much to be honest with you. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking now because like if you don't, if they're not going to use him on that wing. Um, like he did last year, and he did get dropped for the main part of the season. I don't know if he plays too much until they kind of figure out how their forward, tall forwards make up. Yeah, we'll say you, like I'd have Petrocelli or Zach Langdon in over them as a forward, and then you've got all these backs that I have on my, my bench. I just don't know where he necessarily slots in. Yeah, it's tricky. Um, a few other mentions for uh, West Coast. So uh, I've got Josh Kennedy and Jeremy McGovern in there because they'll be in everyone's draft pool, but they can be serviceable just as cover. So don't. I guess don't just purposely don't pick them up just because they're rolled. They're actually pretty handy, like especially if you can get a, uh, Kennedy in a week where he goes ham and kicks ten goals or something like that. Probably yeah. that's, those days are probably behind him, but he used to do that a bit. But I think he still had one or two games last year where he did kick a bag and yeah. you know put up a reason, reasonable fantasy score. Yep. So especially with the uh, rolling lockout, uh, players like especially Kennedy, but McGovern too can take a lot of grabs and boost that score as well. Um, they can be handy because they'll play every week and they give you cover on your bench and every now and then if they're playing on a Sunday, which West Coast do tend to play Sunday twilight's a fair bit mm. um uh, actually no that doesn't help you doesn't you want to play early <laughs> in the week <laughs> but uh yeah um they can be they can be handy anyway let's move on to the next side western bulldogs cool i reckon we got the background right this time that's good uh let's go through your best 22 for western bulldogs case sure thing backline bailey williams alex keith and easton wood and then jason johannesson zane cordy and caleb daniel on the wing bailey smith marcus bontempelli and Lockie hunter uh patty lipinski aaron norton and josh dunkley then jamara oogle oogle hagen that's my first time ever saying that. Yeah, man. it's not bad. Google I think you got it. Uh, then Josh Bruce and Mitch Wallace. Hey, in the ruck, the great Tim English, Adam Trelaw and Jack McRae. And on the bench, Tom Liberatore, Hayden Crozier, Steph Martin and Tyler Jure. 
Wolfing, Ed Richards, Bailey Dale, Josh Shackey, and Toby McLean as emergencies. I think you've got this one pretty uh, pretty spot on, pretty close the way they will line up for round one. Um, he's not really fantasy relevant, but uh, Ed Richards was kind of in the best 22 at the end of last season. Um, you've got Ugo Hagen coming in. Um, so basically that's who's taking his spot. So mm-hmm. Richards out, Hagen, Ugo Hagen in, and Lipinski survives. He does. I yeah. think there's... I think Lipinski plays. I think his fantasy value has been smashed because of the arrival of Trelaw. Yeah. Um, and that's where he gets hurt. The th- yeah. The, the funny thing, though, like when he when his first season was scoring well, he was playing a fair bit up forward at the same time. So, mm. I wouldn't write him off completely. Everyone says, oh, because now, he, now he's not playing on that wing. He's not going to score that well. But he didn't really score that well. Like, he scored okay on the wing, but it was he was kind of mixed between the forward as well. So, look, if you want to think about it, there's a fair chance he could get uh, forward DPP out of this year. Yeah, yeah, he could sorry, be a, I mean. a sneaky good hold. Yeah. Uh, it really depends on how many you're going to take. But, look, if Lipinski lands in our draft in our home league, um, I'd probably snap him up early. I think he's a great player. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's talk about a few players. I'm going to talk about Lewis Butler. Um, He's coming into his second year. He played two games in his debut year for an average of 50.5, which is a 63 BCV. Had scores of 43 and 58 from his two games. Look, he plays the right type of role. Um, He was one of the best ball-winning defenders in the NAB League of his draft year. Um, He was top five for disposals and uh, uncontested possessions at that underage level. Um, Excelled in uh, similar stats... uh, areas at the under 18 championships two in 2019 um he averaged uh, 60 in the nab league which isn't great but 77 at the state champ so he stepped it up a bit there um the issue is with him he doesn't really take marks so that's where you kind of um i guess your possession winning defenders if they take lots of marks in defense they're generally pretty good scorers but he doesn't really take that many um so that's going to hinder his fantasy output he also doesn't have the most effective kick either um so that'll probably hinder him a little bit in terms of selection so i can't see him playing too much this season because there's quite a few of those running type defenders ahead of him at Western Bortles or at least two or three that are definitely going to get picked ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, he might be one for the future though just because he's a, a bit of an accumulator. But yeah, I just worry about him not having the kind of efficiency and also not being able to mark the footy, uh, taking your contested marks. He might not get hit the same kind of scoring potential at AFL level. Uh, I know the dogs like to throw up a few surprises with selections every now and then, yeah. but uh, I just can't get too excited about Butler this year. I think, you know, with uh, Taylor Dre coming back to full strength, he's one that will kind of slot into that um, running half back role. You know, they've got a pretty strong back line now because they're going to have to push someone like, uh, or sorry, the evolution of um, Caleb Daniel back there and then, you know, Bailey Williams finding some form last year. So I think they're pretty settled back there. So um, maybe a stash if you are keen on someone like Lewis Butler. Yeah, right. let's move on. Uh, my guy I'm going to talk about is Hayden Crozier, and he is a bit of a favourite of mine. Uh, former keeper, but he will be going back into the pool for this draft. Uh, look, he's super consistent and just really lets you down. Uh, he's 27 and has averaged 73, 71, and 73 in his last three years. So uh, the last uh, last year, sorry, 11 of his 14 games for were um, 60 pluses BCV. That is so really lets you down as that D4, D5 um, plays his role really nicely takes some nice intercept marks and um yeah i think he's firmly got his spot in that uh, best 22 he's probably not as attacking as he once was or probably could have been because of the development of um caleb daniel i thought crozier might have uh, kind of taken a bit more of that role but daniel plays it so well and, and bailey williams has come in and done a good job too but once again he's not one of those names that's going to stand out to you on draft night um so we'll always slide um, I think you can take him early to mid, especially if you do need some uh, cover in your defense. Um, as I said, he's got a very, very high floor and um, just really puts a bad game in. 
Yeah, I don't like. I don't think he's going to come out and go huge or anything this year. But he's got. He's settled. He's in his groove. He plays his role each week. You average that low seventies like every year. So mm-hmm. pretty handy type of player to have on your side. He's just. I don't. Know, I find him a bit boring to be honest. Yeah, but they're yeah, the guys. Know, that, they're the guys that you just set and forget, and you're I'm, like, I worry about someone else going to go ham. I built a flag team off um, just guys being boring and getting eighty each week. So yeah, Here I know you go. love hearing about it. So Here I'll keep telling go. you about it. Anyway, I'm going to move on to Jason Johannesson. Um, he looked like look. But once upon a time, mm-hmm. we looked upon him as he was a D1 type in fantasy. Mm, correct. So, his best scoring year came in 2016. He averaged 93.3. But since then, it's been all downhill from there. So, let's go through a few numbers here. So, 2017. So, 2016, they won the flag, didn't they? That's the year one. Did yeah. He, did he win the Norm Smith? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, 2017, after that, he averaged 75.9. 2018, 76. Then 2019, 82.1. And then 2020, 62, which is 77. So It's one of the biggest premiership hangovers of all time. Yeah, that's what I was saying. So, basically, this really coincides when the dog makes finals. He has a good fantasy year. Mm-hmm. And when they don't make the finals, um, he really stinks it up. So, yeah, that 62 last year was a 77.5 uh, BCV. Look, I just can't see him turning back up the heat to what he was, um, even, you know, 2019 where he's averaging 80 because players like Caleb Daniel have just taken over as the kind of main distributor of defense. He was once the player they used for the run and dash, and I think he's lost that a little bit. Um, he's still definitely worthy of your last defender spot as long as he holds his position in the team, which I think he does um, for for at least this season anyway. Um, anything above 75, though, I think would be a good average for him, do yeah. you reckon? Yeah, he's 28 this year, so he's getting on. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy that you kind of talk about someone like Hayden Crozier who no one talks about, who yeah. just averages a few points less than a, you know, a supposed fantasy star like Johannesson. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I think he's definitely a keeper because he does show he does have those games where he, you know, can go really big. Yeah. And he's still a quality defender. Um, yes, I just think he's slowly meandering into. Yeah. Into, like, I don't think, much. yeah, I don't think he's going to, like, I'll take that back. I don't think he's going to get dropped anytime soon, but no, yeah, he's definitely no, no, on the no. decline. Yeah. Yeah, but he's not going to score. He's just going to score mid 70s. Yeah, yeah. He's just firmly it. just a yeah. mid 70s defender. Definitely on the downhill slide. Yeah. Um, right. Now I actually get to talk about one of my boys. Hit it, Hef. Aaron Norton, the astronaut. Uh, now, fingers crossed we get to see the best of him this year and he can go through 2020 injury-free. Uh, played 22 games in 2019 and averaged 64 points in his second year of footy. Absolutely dominated some games too. Uh, two 80s, two 90s and two hundreds, including a 125-point PB against the Tigers. Um, look, the injury interrupted 2020. Uh, just means we didn't see the best of him, uh, with the highlight being a six-goal outing against the Crows for an 86-point uh, 107 BCV game. Look, all reports he's fit and firing this season, so look out. And really, we, we kind of touched on it before, but when you talk about footy, uh, I'm excited about this year because I think this year we're going to see guys like Norton, the King Boys, um, you know, Luke Jackson, uh, Harry McKay, uh, hopefully Charlie Kerner can get back to his best. These are the guys that you want to see up and about and absolutely dominating. So there is some big talent there in those tall athletic guys who can take a clunk. Um, I'm lucky to have him as a rookie upgrade this year in our uh, home league. So he's a very, very easy keep. If not, you're kind of tossing him up. Do you go on potential and the fact that, um, you know, forwards are a bit thin? 
if he's in your draft, I actually wouldn't be surprised if someone goes a bit early on him because he has shown that, um, you know, he can go big. So, for me, I'd, if you can, take him early because I think he could set the world alight as a forward. I am um, super, super keen on someone like uh, Aaron Norton. And, yes, they can be a bit hot and cold at the moment, but I think he's one of those guys who can just step in and be, a, you know, an 85 average forward uh, throughout his career. Yeah, he's definitely going to be one of those up and down types. Like, he'll score you 110 one week and then 40 the next. But you take the good with the bad the bad with a player like him because he's just got so many tools really yep. so he can take big grabs he can kick good goals um, and he's pretty athletic as well for a bigger fella too it's like the way he can jump and stuff like that so I don't mind the key forwards that have like a few tricks in the bag mm-hmm. um, yeah I just I don't know if you if if you're building a flag if you're building a flag side though you probably don't want someone like him in your grand final side scoring your 40 on that grand final week and you catch him on one of those down weeks that's the only thing that kind of puts me off him a little bit. I like, I'd prefer, much prefer someone who goes at the steady kind of 75 mark um, that's going to get you that when you need him to in the finals. That's the only thing that kind of, yeah, puts me off a little bit. No, nah, I'm all about it. <laughs> I'm all about that shit. All about losing finals. <laughs> all about the roller coaster that is Keeper League football. All right. Uh, I'm going to talk about Stefan Martin. So this will ruffle a few feathers here. Let's uh, get ready for this mm, one, listeners. Fighting so, words, everyone. Fantasy legend of the past. Average 114 in 2015. Uh, in the past three years, he's recorded averages of 101.3. Then he went at 84.8 and then at 45 last season, which is a 56.3 BCB. He is dropping down. He moves to the Bulldogs from Brisbane um, and it's hard to know what his role is going to be before preseason game. So, mm-hmm. is he just there to help out Tim English in the rugs department? Like, is he there as like a, uh, a punching bag, like just to actually like actually help him train like a sparring partner? Or is he there to actually play and kind of win Western Bulldogs some taps with that gun midfield they got? Because Tim English is not going to do that. <laughs> winning taps <laughs> is overrated. <laughs> <laughs> with that midfield, it's absolutely wasted if you are not winning the hitouts and giving the midfielders first use. So, okay, this is your crazy theory that you tweeted that it's made no crazy. sense to me is that this is uh, Stefan Martin isn't going to matter, Tim English, at all mm-hmm. because he didn't win hitouts anyway. Correct. But the way I see it is he's not going to spend as much time in the guts of the game as he once did. So, you, you, you're you right. He scores better by moving around the ground, getting loose possessions, taking marks, that sort of stuff. But if there's another Ruckman in there, he has to decrease. It just has to decrease like you know, a little bit in some way. Nope. So, okay, okay, okay. So, he doesn't he doesn't decrease in any sort of midfield kind of roaming role that he plays. Look, he might decrease like a couple of points, but yeah, I don't yeah. think he's going to drop off the face of the earth. I think that I've said it a million times, I swear, on this podcast. Steph Martin can take the center square rock, tap it down someone's throat, and then just go forward and stand there and be like a decoy forward or whatever. Like, Tim English is then going to basically be a ruck roving, you know, Ruckman who goes all around the ground. He doesn't need that one centre bounce to be effective. That's that's fine, but I just think it will take away from speed. I just don't think that'll be the same. It won't be like, oh, I've taken my ruck tap now. I'll run out of or away from the ball, away from the play and do that. No, there'll be a stoppage. Then the ruck will go again and all this sort of stuff will keep happening. Like That's just what happens in football. Like they got Aaron Norton. Josh Bruce really didn't set the world on fire. Like Steph Martin can just stand and that And Tim forward, English was playing up forward a little forward bit by the end step, of the, by the, end of the year. They don't need him because Tim English takes a fantastic intercept mark. Steph Martin has been a forward in the past. So Look, I, yeah, Steph Martin's put in a good career. Um, I'm probably going to have to draft him, I suppose, as yeah, a well, handcuff yeah. to Tim English at some stage. But um, you know, I'm not I'm not too excited because I don't think he's really going to be there to play like 
a big game. Just on you drafting Stefan Martin as a handcuff for uh, English. I mm. uh, put out a tweet. Well, sorry, my article today was all about draft strategies mm-hmm. um, uh, when drafting a keeper league. So if you haven't read that yet, head to afl.com.au and read that one. But uh, I put up some alternative strategies on the uh, on Twitter before the show started. Mm-hmm. And one of those alternative strategies was um, draft players that your mates want. Yep. So if Stefan Martin's a player that you want, I'll have to get him before you so you don't get to have a rough ruck handcuff. Correct. And the other one is actually just um, draft all the rucks so no one else has a ruck. That's <laughs> what I'll say. In a league like ours, that happens. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm a bit nervous because, you know, last year all I had to do was just, uh, draft Jordan Sweet or something like that yep. or, you know, whereas now I've got to draft someone of, you know, past fantasy brilliance. So. Yep. And, yeah. And you probably get Sweet as well because what if he gets injured then English yeah, is injured? You have a- to have... Yeah, I know. A I'm a bit worried about my draft this year. Yeah, so you should be. Anyway, uh, let's finish it off. We got Paddy Lipinski last. Yes, uh, Paddy Lipinski. Um, and while a lot of coaches are worrying about the addition of Trelaw and how that will affect McRae, Dunkley, Bont, or even Hunter, the guy who uh, I think Trelaw's arrival really hurts is Lipinski. Uh, he was in and out of that best 22 at times last year, especially late. And yes, yeah, so I think he's definitely in that best 22 this year, but... He's just going to have to be pushed up forward this year. Um, it is a bit of a shame because I do love Paddy as a footballer. He averaged 85 in 2019 and that was his real breakout year. Uh, notched up three tons in 2019, including two 129s, which is uh, going big to say the least. Look, last year he played a bit more outside on that wing um, and his average dropped to 74. But um, look, he was pretty consistent. He only had the one game under 50 points, um, but those big scores that we saw in 2019 just weren't there. Um, he only ended up scoring a 73, which is 91 BCV as his PB. But look, that was all right. He was a, a center forward DPP, but this year he's lost that. He's a mid only. Um, and look, he's probably lost the chance of playing in that midfield or even on that wing. So he's going to be a, a you know more stay-at-home forward. Look, what do you do? Like, do you believe that you... Sorry, do you believe in him and carrying him through 2021? Either potentially, actually, actually, another club, or you know, finds an action somehow finds a role in that midfield, or do you hold him purely because he might get DPP back because he's going to have to play forward? It's a, it's a really tough question, Hef. Um, yeah. As an owner, I don't know if I'd want to be in that position. I think he was dropped in our um, keeper league. Uh, sorry, our podcasters draft. Um, you know, keepers. So he's in the pool tomorrow night. You know, does someone have a snap at him early just in case he gets DPP? And I don't know what is happening in our home league. I don't think he'll be kept there either. So people are jumping off him quicker than ever. But I think there's reason to hold faith. If you believe that he's going to be a good footballer, which I do, he's not the worst hold for me. Yeah, I, I agree. I think people are probably being a little bit too harsh on him just because of the potential he's shown in the past. Like, you'll keep players that haven't shown as much potential mm-hmm. um, just on speculative kind of, um, you know, na- Yeah, you're keeping Nick Blakey. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, he's he never scored two 129 career. So people do silly about, things. Yeah. yeah, and then who knows? Like, Trelaw loves, you know, doing hammies and getting things. Getting injured. Like, yep. Didn't get injured today. He's he injured. Did a cut. Yeah, he's injured again. So, uh, like, who knows with that midfield? So, Trelaw's the only new one in there. So, at the start of last year, you weren't saying, oh, Western Bulldogs have got too many mids. Yeah. Um, and someone will get injured. One of those midfielders will get injured at some stage, providing a role. But I think if you are drafting him, you are banking on him getting his DPP, which I think is a pretty safe bet as well because mm. I think he does play forward. Mm. And he did play some forward in his first year and he wasn't the worst scorer. So, 
I don't mind him at all. Like, I'm kind of hoping he does go back into the pool. I'm be more than happy to have a crack at a goal like Pinsky because it's a keeper league too. And what's he going to be doing in two, three times? Yeah. Two, three years. Dominating. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Anyways, that wraps up all of the player analysis uh, segments. And that's all for the uh, preseason case. So We're we done. Got, we're done. Um, we've got a few weeks worth of content coming up before we get into the season. But mm-hmm. really, we're only, what, three weeks away from the start of the season? Three or four? A bit more. Four weeks. Four weeks. Yeah. Oh, God, we've got to find some content for those next few weeks. <laughs> Jesus. Um, We've we'll got stuff. Don't worry. We'll find something. Don't worry. Uh, we could even do a podcast on our rankings even, Kays, because they're all out for our members of the Keeper League podcast. So, our members now have access to our top 100 uh, midfielders and defenders and also our top 50 ruck rankings. And we've got a forward. Uh, the complete sets of the forwards are coming out on Friday. So, um, yeah. If you enjoy the podcast, then consider, uh, you know, supporting what we do and signing up as a member. Uh, everything we make goes back into the pod to make it bigger and better than what it was previously. And I reckon we've stayed true to that. We've kind of got bigger and better every year. Like we've got this- Your head's got bigger. Yeah, that's true. Good one, Kaz. I like yeah. that one. Uh, we've got this sweet green screen behind us, which is not actually a TV screen like people might think if they're watching the stream. A um, few cameras, all that sort of stuff. Uh, new mics. We're probably going to need a new interface soon because ours keeps skipping and I cannot find out what the problem is. Um, but yeah. So, thanks members for all that to keep the podcast going because there is quite a few costs um, associated with it. So, again, if you enjoy what we do and you get something out of this every week, just consider joining up as a member and helping us out and keeping the podcast moving forward. But, yeah, you also get all our premium resources as a reward for doing so as well. So, these are stuff that we take to drafts, um, things that help us pick the keeper players that we want and stuff like that. So, these are the draftee uh, draftee numbers and the podcast we did on the draftees as well. Um, We also got the breakout tracker, which is really good at uh, for detecting Mm -hmm. uh, the next breakouts. So, yeah, we read out gold members um, each week. So, uh, Kays, I reckon you can read them out this week. Uh, Rightio, I'll go with Nicholas Westerman, Brody Jared, Andrew Zanka, Ben Mortimer, and Matt Tarrant. So, Matt Tarrant, uh, he's a gold member. He's also a really good friend of mine, um, but he's also the uh, fringe magician um, in Adelaide who's got a show at Gluttony, I think, every night of the fringe. He's just smashing it out and going bid. So, I've seen three or four of his shows. You've been to a couple, haven't you? I've been to a couple. He's very good. He's really, really good. He's won every fringe award, you know, that you could probably think of. Mm -hmm. Um, Year after year, he keeps winning them. them. And he's, you know, a really good bloke too. He even hooked up uh, K's with the ticket to the Port Adelaide versus Essendon game. Uh, last year that Kays didn't even turn up for. So I was supporting um, my local yeah, football team. Yeah, right. Just uh, kind of just burnt I him there. I support the little guys. I'm not oh, yeah, I'm obsessed <laughs> with, you know, the top echelon of society like you are, Hollywood. I'm, okay. you know, one for the little guys. All right. So anyway, his uh, friend show, um, Happy, starts on Friday. Um, so if you're in Adelaide, um, you can go see him at Gluttony. And he hangs out the front for uh, photos and meet and greets afterwards. So if you do go... Can you like go up to him afterwards and just say the Keeper League podcast sent you? Because we mm-hmm. want to see if we actually um, have any kind of pull as yeah. influencers. So it's a really good show too. It's great well, for I don't kids, know about the show. Kids as well. Kids you know, can go too. So a lot of our listeners are in that demographic where they do have kids, um, and it's actually really good because it's magic and stuff like that. And it's just it's, it's not cool. It's not lame magic either. Like no. rabbits out of hat. It's cool, like mentalism and cards and crazy oh. stuff and yeah, pulling fishing hooks out of his mouth and things like that. Um, that's what it was last year anyway, without giving too much away. So it's pretty um, good. But anyway, if you if you're keen to go see. It, check it out and uh, yeah if you do go tell them the Keep League podcast sent you then uh, yeah hopefully we do have some kind of pull anyway um, if you can to sign up the links are in the description um, check below there's also a link for some merch in there as well so use 20T for a discount there if you want that alright Case, we've got a podcast review mm-hmm. um, I want you to read this one out Case. okay <laughs> it's from Wilson Loveheart it says what a pod 
Hef is a guru. More people need to listen and take him seriously. Kays needs to listen and learn more. Put all that together and you've got yourself a perfect pod. Why is your like iTunes account named Burner, sorry, Burner account named Wilson Hart? I don't know what you're talking about, Kays. I do not have a Burner account. This guy is Hef, uh, legitimately- I need to listen more. I listen to everything you say. You're always like chatting to people online and shit I while think, I'm doing my breakdowns. I think he means listen more and then employ it to your team so it actually wins. I think that's what he actually means. So, it is <laughs> your burner account. No. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know who you are, Wilson, but it's very cryptic. I think it's a great review. Um, probably my favorite one oh, so right. far. I can't wait to so. wait my, make my review next week. <laughs> I honestly did not write that. Yeah, Someone bullshit. out there, Wilson. Wilson, can you, um, if you're out there, can you reveal yourself to Kay's? I've sent a message just to say you're not my burner account. And How uh, would I know that's not your burner account? I'll do it when I'm around. I'll do it right now while we're on the pod. Get on the chat or something like that. I don't know. Oh, it's a nice review anyway. I suppose <laughs> the first line and then it just dribbles after that. <laughs> oh, that was a great one. Uh, I'm glad we chucked that one in there. Anyways, Kay's, uh, let's get stuck. Oh, sorry. Yeah, if you want to get involved and uh, get on a review, you can actually post your question in there as well. So, um, you get that read out before the listener question starts. So, listen, Wilson. It's a good little tactic there. <laughs> I think Kay's is off you there, Wilson. Anyway, let's get into the listener questions. All right, Kays, let's get stuck in what's the first question. Is he a middle name, Wilson? No, it's Elliot. Similar. Um, (laughs) First question, at Stephen920505567. Interested to hear your thoughts on who you rate higher out of Tom Powell and Will Phillips in a dynasty league. If you had first pick overall, which one would you select? I would probably go Phillips, I reckon. He seems the most well-rounded out of a lot of um, the draftees this year. Like, I know he didn't play much footy or didn't play any footy last year, but he's the kind of one that looks like he's built and big enough to play AFL football. Powell's numbers do look great, but the thing that you've mentioned is heaps, case, and I worry about it too, is that he just didn't play any league footy in SA. So, generally, the best kids in the draft will always, always, always play league footy, um, play with the seniors, but he didn't do it. So, this worries me a bit. But with those numbers, like a player like Will Day did that, like didn't play any under, um, didn't play any league footy, but then, you know, just carved up the under 18s, you know, mm-hmm. put up good fantasy scores. But different type of player. He's more of a halfback flanker, outside type. I think if you're going to be playing in the midfield like, you know, Powell wants to, um, you've got to be doing that at senior level in SA before you go to the AFL. What do you reckon? Um, yeah, I think Phillips, I think it was Aiden Core was quoted today or yesterday saying that he was super impressed with Phillips and uh, um, sh- said the same thing should, as well. should be um, a yeah. round one player. So, yeah. um, I'd probably lean towards Phillips. And, and I think either way you're a bit safe because either of those two are going to get a bit of game time at North this year, you'd think. Yep. Um, and adding to that from Carla Guy, she says, can you please name your top six as she has picked six in ah. a similar league? So, 10 teams, 40 players per team. So, there's never much left on the scrap heap. So, new blood is vital to theirs. So, Hef, who would be your top six selections from the new draftees this year? So, I still think Phillips won power. We just talked about those. I like, mm-hmm. I do like Braden Campbell, but I like Elijah Hollands as well. So, they're kind of interchangeable for me. Caleb Poulter um, looks like he's got a bit of fantasy game. Not sure when he breaks into the best 22, but if he does, he should be okay. Mm-hmm. And Braden Cook put up some super impressive fantasy numbers. And we asked um, uh, Ben Keyes earlier in the uh, season, uh, the podcast, uh, the preseason, um, who he thought if he thought those guys, those young players, so Luke Pedler and Braden Cook, if they'd play, and he reckons they're around the mark as well. So if they do play, they should be play the right kind of fantasy game as well. So I like those. That's probably my top six in there. Cool. 
Hef, next question. All right. The, at the Tapsman asks, uh, draft this Saturday and forwards are scarce in capitals. Um, there was no mention of Aaron Hall in the Ruse team analysis. Is his time up and does he have any value now that he's a forward? Well, I don't have a heap of interest in him based on his age. Look, he's 30. Uh, the Kangaroos have wiped their list clean basically. So, uh, I think your Bailey Scotts, uh, Curtis Taylors, Luke um, Davies Uniacs will get a lot more of a chance um, and obviously you've got to get a fit Cunnington in there plus Jack Zebel in that side too so look as a second or last pick of the draft um, sure you go go with him because of the forward status but end of the day if you didn't play a game or didn't play after round 10 or something like that once um, you know north or out of the finals race it wouldn't surprise me if he, we never saw Aaron Hall again so mm. um, yeah there's some upside but at the same time I think he's kind of the first guy there that just gets flicked and almost like what Dom like we didn't see Dom Tyson play last year you just yeah. there are these guys who are on the list because they've been contracted but they're not he's not going to add anything to north's future is he in their next premiership side no. Absolutely. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. So, like, why would they want to play him, you know, when they've got a new coach, new system, trying to get kids in? Like, yes, he'll play one or two games. And I do think that North genuinely want to win um, this season. So, it's not like they're just going to be blooding kids for the sake of it. But I still don't think he's at that kind of – I just don't see where they'd, how they'd progress with him. And even if he's – I think he's just falling behind the pack is what I'm yeah. trying to say. Um, and I don't know if he's got the ambition or desire to get back into it, I don't think. Well, he played He played last year, but I, I think this year's a fresh start and they're going to get a few more guys, exactly. games that need it for their longevity. Yeah. He was actually quite good in fantasy yeah. last year. So, uh, like, he should – if they want to go with their best side round one – did you have him in there? No. Yeah, okay. But to me, like – if you're like, say everyone wants to play fantasy football to play finals, right? Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if Aaron Hall isn't playing in the grand final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or when it yeah, counts yeah, late true. in the season. When you because, need Because, you know, like they'll be two and ten and yeah. they're going to be like, oh, well, we tried. Yeah. Let's play someone else. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think, his, I think his best days are over. So, I don't, yeah, like I've, again, I'm probably harsh saying he's been dropped. I've said that to about a few blokes tonight. But I just think, yeah, his best foot is behind him. If you're not one of Hef's yeah. boys, you're dropped. Pretty There's much. no middle ground with yeah, Hef. You should get out. <laughs> All right. Uh, at Kang Daddy's asking, um, I'm in a deeper 16-team, 24-player keeper league, and would you uh, would love your thoughts on Levi Casbolt. He's a forward this year who's had his moments last year pinch hitting in the ruck, and uh, with DeConning injured, is he worth the punt? Big fan of Rock the Casbolt. Um, I had him in our podcaster's league last year and he came through with the goods um, just as like a, an oven stuff at, at times. I think he even has Ruck forward status in DP in um, Ultimate Footy. So, he's got the DPP there, which is great. Um, he's been consistent. And what I do love is that, um, you know, if we do see Pitney rucking one out because the Conning's not playing, it is... Casbolt, who is the second ruck, um, goes in there, gets you 10 or so points and, um, yeah, goes like that. Yeah. Um, sorry, I was in the chat. So one of our lead Once mates. again, I'm listening I'm trying. And yeah, and I'm trying to engage with our listeners' case, but like one of our league mates is posting shit on there saying, is this live? So, uh, yeah, g'day, Tom. Yeah, yes, it's live. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, who are we talking about? Levi Casbol. He's one of your poster boys, mate. You love him. He's a he's a keeper league favourite. Yeah, he's got the ruck status this year, doesn't he? 
in Ultimate. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So he's worth having just for that kind of backup there. He's flexible. Yeah. Yep. Keep him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's what that was. Sorry. I actually had a close look at this one as well. Um, With the amount of numbers you guys keep, he's definitely within that. What I, I've, I'm not very good at maths, but 16 teams times 24. He's definitely within whatever that number is. So, <laughs> um, yes. Keep that him. 250. Yeah. Keep yeah. him. He's fine. Um, Next question, Case. Is Florent, sorry, this is from Dan Cobb 24. Is Florent capable of taking the next step as a fantasy accumulator? How does he rank against guys like Stevens and Rowbottom and even uh, Braden Campbell? All right. Uh, with Florent, uh, Rowbottom, so I guess he's kind of a bit more of an inside player. So it's a bit of a different role in in a way. Um, as an outplayer, I think uh, McInerney, is who we talked about before, is coming hard for his spot. Um, he's a better user of the ball. Dylan Stevens is still a bit green, but I reckon he'll overtake as well. Um I don't. Either way, he, I don't think he's going to be an accumulator anyhow. Um, just too much of an outside player. Doesn't get enough inside ball. Um, they, they they did trial him as an inside mid, but it just didn't really work out. And by the end of the season, he was just out in the wing. So, um, yeah, I can't. Uh, I think I don't know about Florent. Yeah, it's, it's really. I think he'll probably they'll persist. Yeah, but he's hasn't really shown it, and he's had plenty of opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would be like. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be throwing him back. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's have a look at the next one. What's the next one, Kate? It's at TTQ03. What do you do with Yo? What's his trade value? Um, it doesn't really have much just with the injury, I don't think. Like, you're not going to get his full value. You're never going to get someone's full value when they're injured. So, there's no mm-hmm. point trading him when they're injured. That's probably the hardest Especially part. Especially at the start of a season where everyone yeah. has optimism. Yeah, and everyone wants to just kind of absolutely screw you over in trades as mm-hmm. well. Um, I'd hold on to him. And, you know, when he gets up and running, he's a pretty reasonable fantasy score. He's, you know, borderline primo a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he's only 27 years old as well. So, he's got plenty of time to come back. Um, let's hopefully he gets over the injury this year. Um, but, yeah, if you trade him now, you won't get his full value. So, I feel like it's going to be wasted. The only time you consider is if you're really pushing hard for a flag. But even if you are, there's a chance he comes back at the end of the year and scores pretty well for you. So, mm-hmm. you yeah. just got to weather the storm for now, I think. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, at Toddman84, please rank one to four Hef, Jamie Elliott, Josh Battle, Cameron Rayner, and Jaden Stevenson. Now, out of those four, mine's probably a bit controversial that I've chosen. So, I reckon I'd go Rayner first out of those. And the reason why is because he's just the most likely to keep forward status. Um, and I think he'll probably get to an 80 average eventually, you know, maybe this year, next year. But he'll never get more than that. But I think at his best, his best season will have, he'll average 80. And that's pretty handy for a forward. Stevenson, he'll get hopefully gets more midfield time. That's my second rank. But then if he does, he loses forward status there. And I'm pretty weary of the forward status at the moment. Um, then battle after that because I think he'll just probably settle his career as a key forward and probably not it'd be as fantasy relevant. And then I think Elliot is the last one for mine because I think he'll lose his spot in the midfield this year because um, they've just got no one up forward really anymore. And there's talk of Dugowie going into the midfield a bit more as well. So I reckon um, they might even do a bit of a swap role because they trolled Elliot last year and whilst he was like he was okay, he didn't really add much to their midfield. So I think that experiment might be going backwards and uh, yeah, I think he might be returning to the forward line just to play his old role, which isn't a very fantasy-friendly role. Uh, I'm going to switch it around. I'm going Stevenson. Uh, he's shown ability, the extra mid-time. Yes, he may lose the forward status, but I think his uh, ceiling is much higher than any of those other three guys. Uh, Josh Battle can go in next. Uh, consistent if he does get his fantasy-friendly role. Uh, Cam Rayner goes in third on potential. Yes, he can be an okay forward for a long time, maybe a 75er. And yeah, Elliot has had problems with injury um, and is the older one of the four. So, he's going in fourth. Uh, at show to five, keep one of Noble, Will Powell or Ryan Burton. Uh, this is a hard one. 
I'm going to keep Burton just because he's got the fantasy runs on the board in terms of fantasy. I know he's always injured. Um, but then uh, Noble, then Powell, they're both close to second, I reckon. So I'd probably go Noble just because I'm a bit more I'm a bit more confident on his spot on the side. But Powell is up and coming and could kind of rock it into that kind of outside halfback, maybe even a wing roll at Gold Coast as well. So, um, yeah, Burton keep because I think he's just the best – you know, best potential. When he's when he's at his best, he's going to be the best scorer. But then the other two, I don't think you can go wrong with any of them. What do you reckon? Uh, yeah, Burton's the keeper out of those two. Yeah. I think the other two you can always pick up off a waiver wire as Burton has potential. Yeah. Uh, at Time Miller, who's a better pickup in a draft? Lockie Scholl or Damon Greaves? Sorry, I'm looking at the chat. Our league mate has also just now asked, Hef, have you always had this, had a dimple in the middle of your head or is it only when you use your weird voice? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've never really noticed a dimple in the middle of my head, but I guess I do have one now I'm looking at the screen. Sorry, what was the question again? I'm getting distracted here. You need to turn the chat off here. Yeah, you're I not know. listening. I need to. You're doing the opposite Look, of what I'm Wilson says out. you do. No, you're, you're not getting the context of what Wilson's saying. I know this because I wrote the comment. Nah, I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> fucking burn a bitch. At time Miller says, who's a better pickup in a draft, Lockie Scholl or Damon Graves? Um, I reckon they'll both be good. Um, Scholl is the safer pick because- um, we've seen him play a few more games, and the but the issue with him, I think he becomes a wingman, which I don't know how good that is in fantasy, and how that kind of you know he's competing with midfielders, so I don't know how well he's going to score in that way. Um, Greaves is more risky out of the options because we've only seen the three games, but I think he'll remain as a defender. And look, even though it's three games, there were three super super impressive games, and with the side he's in, um, I know Crows are the same, but with that Hawthorne side there. They're probably going backwards before they go forwards. So, I think they, you know, persist with him. So, I'd probably take the punt on Greaves, I reckon. Uh, Shoal for me. They were talking him up um, because Roy Laird's going into the midfield apparently. So, Shoal's going back. So, Shoal's going back. Okay. That's kind of changed. So, I'm excited for some Shoal season this year. I think I think Shoal will eventually end up on a wing or something like that though. And eventually. follow-up question from uh, Tom Miller. What's Rory Lobb's value this year as a forward? With Darcy injured and Hogan gone, surely things open up for him. Uh, yeah, I reckon it's not a bad call regarding Lobb, but if Darcy is actually out for that long, so he won't be out for the whole year, will he? Like no, a, but yeah. I also don't think Rory Lobb's going to be there right when they'll ruck Lloyd Meek. Do you reckon? We've yes. never even seen Lloyd Meek play before. He's like You've never had, seen Rory, Riley yeah, O'Brien play. There's You've been never o- seen. People, there's been opportunities. People have to have a yeah, start know, at some stage. But there's been opportunities, so many opportunities where they should have brought, brought, brought Meek in and he's just never gone anywhere near He's ready now. I'd be, what, just one preseason now he's ready to go? Yes. All right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Even even so, Lloyd Meek's not someone I'd probably be drafting as unless like your last pick is a handcuff. Um, I think he'll be fine. He'll be a decent ruck when he's when Darcy's out, but I think Darcy's going to be out the whole time. And, you know, you're not going to well, – like, what are you going to achieve in those first few weeks with having Lobb as your main ruckman, I guess? Like he's going to be better as a forward, obviously. Yeah. Um. But then when Darcy comes back, he just returns back to what Lob is. So he's 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 an he's a pretty safe choice this year, like Lob. Rory Lob to have a, on your side. Yeah, because or well, just because of forwards scarcity. And the but yeah. I don't think he goes that much bigger, and I don't think because Darcy's no. out, he's going to you know huge. No. You get a huge bump. Tentative but great. like yeah, like when I still think Lob is going to be the ruckman when Darcy's out. So. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, next question. At Isaac underscore WF. He needs an F3 in a startup league. Should he take one, Ben Ainsworth, two, Tomahawk, uh, three, draft both Fritch and Fogarty and field whoever works out best. Uh, and be taking 
Let me see that bench, blah, blah, blah. Sorry for the long question. No worries, Isaac. Couldn't be any longer than Hef's port wrap-up last week. So, <laughs> who are you going? You're a fighter, Ainsworth, right? Hawkins, or the Fritch Fogarty combo? You're saying a few funny things tonight, Casey. I'm it's, very funny. It's quite good. I'm very funny. Um, I don't know. I still like Tomahawk. Like, if you're not too fussed about the future, like, and hear me out. Like, he had a big year last year. So, he's at, he's at a high. But Cameron might even help him. So, he might just take a bit of pressure off. Maybe Ooh. he's the number one forward they go to. But I think Ainsworth is a really good hold for the future. Um, and as the sons develop, um, those kids develop anyway, he'll be a key contributor. And I, I like the punt on Lockie Fogarty too, really, because I've been high on him. And I think if he gets a run in the midfield, um, he's going to be a pretty good option at Carlton as well. So, I don't think any of the options are bad. Um, now that I've talked through it, I'm probably leaning more towards Ainsworth. Ainsworth yeah. every day of the week and yeah. twice on Sundays. That is – take Ainsworth, Isaac. Yeah, Ainsworth now that I think about it. it. But Hawkins isn't a bad option as well. But, yeah, go Ainsworth. Yeah. Uh, Simon Moore, which king will score more this season and which will be the best long term? They're literally the same guy. <laughs> they look the same. They act the same. They play the same. Oh, Ben's probably a little bit different. But I think Ben will be better this year. Um, just because he's probably further ahead in the development without the year out of the game. I think Max will take a leap like this year though, like having a full season under his belt. But I reckon they'll both turn out to be pretty similar in terms of fantasy scoring. Um, I'll go with Max being slightly better purely because he was picked three picks ahead in the draft. So, that's about it. I'm team Ben King. Yeah, I know you are. Uh, last question before we get into one more, which doesn't make sense, but yep. an ultimate question. Uh, Simon Evans just says in the chat, hey boys, what order would you pick up these guys in the draft? Lockie Fogarty, Michael Gibbons, Bailey Fritch, or Bailey Scott. Ooh. If they're all your boys. They are my boys. So, no, no, they're not. There's a couple of boys in there. Um, I would go. I'm just trying to see them on your screen there. I like. I'm going with the safety of Mick Gibbons. Yeah, that's a safe. Mick Gibbons and uh, Fritch are probably the safer options. But Lockie Fogarty has plenty of upside. Bailey Scott is legit breakout contender this year. He started getting that midfield run last year. He improved his scoring last year. Um, if you want safe, go those two that we just mentioned, which was Gibbons and who was the other Fritch. one? Fritch. Fritch. And if you want to take the punt, go Scott and who was the other one? I can't see if you've taken the screen. Scott and someone. Who was the other one? Scott and uh, Fogarty. Fogarty, that's right. Yeah. If you want to take the punt, go with those two. Yeah. And lucky last question at Ninja Spoon 1. Rank catering options for draft night. Obviously, Remedy Kombucha is number one. Of course, it's the official drink of fantasy football. But what food do you pair your Remedy Kombucha with? He's kind of got some, you know, pizza, tacos, wings. Do they get a mention in our uh, draft night food? We're usually pretty stock standard barbecue. We're a bit boring. Like barbecue washed down with like heaps of beers and Remedy Kombuchas, obviously. <laughs> Sometimes there's been a bit of a uh, KFC entree <laughs> oh, yeah, with some nugs. nugs and chicken chips. entree yeah. last year, yeah, if you're into that type of thing. Um, no, we're pretty boring. I like the bar. I think the barbecue is easy. Sausage and bread. I think we've talked about this before in previous pods. Yeah. Just sausage, bread. Uh, we did a few chicken wings, rissoles, no salad. Um, Look, depends yeah. what you want to go with. Like, if you really want to treat the boys, maybe some, you know, Mexican, some sombreros would be nice. Oh, that'd be nice. That'd uh, be nice. Yeah. Um, I wish we could have some sombreros on this podcast. That'd be great. Anyway, um, we'll wrap it up there, I think. That's probably the end of the questions, isn't it, Case? That is it. Cool. Thanks for uh, listening tonight. Uh, follow us on our socials, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Keeper League Pod. Check out our website, keeperleaguepod.com.au. There's membership options available there if you're keen to support the podcast. And uh, we'll be back next week with something to fill the void between the team analysis podcast and the actual Amy series, Amy game starting. 
We got some stuff lined up. Don't worry, listeners. We're uh, going to actually have a few beers this weekend and nut some stuff out. So it's going to be good. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you next week. See you then.